Are you wandering in the wilderness? Or are you a voice in the wilderness? Welcome to the Revival Cry podcast. This is your host, Eric Miller. Isaiah 40 verse 3 says, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The goal of this podcast is to encourage you to use the voice God has given you to make Jesus famous. Every week, we will share principles from the Word of God, interviews, and encouragement in order to strengthen your voice. Thank you for joining me today. And now here is today's podcast. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Revival Cry. This is your host, Eric Miller. And if you're watching on YouTube today, you can see I have my good friend Keith Collins here with me today. Keith, would you say hi to everybody? Hey, everybody. It's a blessing to be here today with all of you, and I pray you're going to be blessed by what you hear today. Amen. You know, before we get into our sharing today, I want to remind our listeners, especially those of you here in the Philippines, on May 20th, starting at 9 a.m. to about 5 p.m. in General Santos City. We're having our Doorkeepers of Revival gathering, and I know you're going to want to be there. I'll be sharing another missionary friend, Michael Bailey, will be sharing, Brother Richard Lanzanas from General Santos, and our pastor, Pastor Armin Valdez. It's going to be a powerful time as we talk about revival the power of the Holy Spirit. And I know that if you will come and bring somebody with you, that it's going to refresh you. It's going to encourage you. You're going to encounter the Lord and His glory in a new way. Our good friends at Jensen Worship will be leading, and it's just going to be a powerful time. So make sure you're there. It's free. I think for the first 500 people, we're going to have a free meal. And we know you're going to be supernaturally blessed. I also want to remind those of you that this August 2023, we are starting up Fire School of Ministry Philippines again. If you would like more information, you could go to our website, www.revivalcry.org, or you can go to our Facebook page You just type in Fire School Ministry Philippines. Make sure you put Philippines because there's other fire schools of ministry out there. But we are excited to start training up and sending out, raising up Filipino leaders again, men and women of God. It doesn't matter if you feel called to preach or pastor or or not. You might be called to the business world. You might be called to be a stay-at-home mom. You might be called to be a flaming revivalist evangelist. But we believe that if you'll come to Fire School, that it will absolutely change your life. It's a two-year program with a four- to six-month internship to follow. And it's just a powerful time. We saw some of our graduates today working on the field, and God is using them. We have so many stories and testimonies. So make sure you look for more details on our Facebook page or website and let us know. If you have any questions, we want to help you and believe you're going to be so blessed. And you know, Keith, you were a director of Fire School Ministry yeah. at one point. And was. that was even before North Carolina it was also in 
Pensacola, Florida during the Brownsville Revival days. Yeah, yeah, I was actually the dean of students, dean of men, then dean of students, and um, was over pastoral care at the Brownsville Revival School of Ministry, and then actually became the the last president of the Brownsville Revival School of Ministry. Hmm. And then not too long after that, I came on board with Dr. Brown, Dr. Michael Brown in Charlotte, and was the director of Fire School of Ministry, the campus, for almost 10 years. Wow. Yeah, so it was actually during that time that you guys launched over here, and we were able to be a part of that. So it's exciting to see you guys, you know, doing this again. I think it's it's needed, and it's Mm -hmm. exciting to see what God's going to do. We're excited. You know, we've been in the Philippines for 20 years now, which is incredible to think that. But it's not about us. We want to see God raise up Filipino Amen. leaders. And I know that you saw this, that students came from all over the world. Yes. They came from different countries. They came from different states in the U.S. What did you see some of God, how, what did you see God do with some of the men and women who came through Fire School of Ministry? Yeah, well, Brownsville and Fire School of Ministry. I mean, we saw... I guess the thing that amazed me the most, Eric, were, were the people that already had careers or ministries and that God would direct them to the school yeah. and would just touch them in such a deep way that they were willing to lay everything down mm. to go to places like Papua New Guinea, yeah. places like the Philippines, um, yeah. different countries in Africa. Um, so, you know, I mean, and, and right now, and you know this, and we have several friends, even some here, we've been with some today and yesterday right. that they've laid their lives. I mean, they're, they're taking care of orphans. They're educating them. They're um, giving their lives for them and their yeah. heart is that they would be raised up and be used of God, which you guys are doing. I mean, you guys, this week I was with you. And just watching some of the grads that have already mm. come through the school, right? they're out planting churches, they're doing evangelism. Yeah. They, they were at some of the properties that we were at, to, at the property today where there's a ministry of another American and his wife that are there. So, I mean, it's it's really supernatural the way that God has used the schools yeah. in America, but here and, you know, we're in other places, Cameroon, Africa, Fire School with Dennis and those guys. So, I mean, God's yeah. doing an amazing work with the grads. Yeah, it really is amazing. And... That's one facet of Keith's ministry. So he and his wife, Darla, how many years you've been in ministry now? <laughs> Almost 38. 38. And I'm 49. So Keith has <laughs> been in ministry as long as I've been alive. And it's amazing. And now you have a network called the IGF Network. What's that all about? Yeah, um, we're called Impact Global Fellowship or IGF. Um and really, you know, when I turned 50, Eric, which was about five years ago, the Lord really began to deal with my heart about pouring into leaders. Um, I've spent, you know, so many years doing what you're doing here, right? training students, and I'll still be a part of it and look forward to being here and teaching at this school some as I can. Yep. But um, the Lord really shifted my heart and really began to lay it on my heart to really begin to father leaders in the mm. faith. As a result, we launched Impact Global Fellowship, and we've got pastors, we've got business people, we've got traveling evangelistic type people, and it's really a family of leaders that have light passion, they're hungry for revival, they believe in prayer, they believe in purity of lifestyle, and and they're going after God, but the Lord's really brought us together and Mm -hmm. created this family environment. As a result, I mean, Darla and I, we've been able to pour into them, not just... You've been to our conferences, a few right. of our conferences, and have spoken at 
you're speaking at our conference this coming October, but but beyond the conference and the gatherings, um, just the the mentoring, the fathering, the mothering, yeah. and also just the networking of all the mm-hmm. ministries, how they've connected together. And I mean, you've even gleaned from that yourself. You've oh, connected yeah. with some of the folks that have been brought together through IGF. So Absolutely. it's it's. I think we're just at the very beginning of it. I mean, yeah. we're almost four and a half years in, but I believe that you know the next step is going to be glorious as we get into Canada and different parts of the world. So we're really excited about it. You know, both you and I are very similar when we have such a passion for revival, for evangelism, and for prayer. Yes. And Keith spoke this past weekend at Praise Revival Church here in Davao City, uh, uh, Friday, Saturday night, and Sunday morning services. And it was just so powerful. And there was a message you shared Saturday night on prayer and intercession. Yeah. And it really moved me. It moved a lot of those people in the meeting that night. I felt like that was one of the most powerful messages I've ever heard you preach. Mm. And I've heard you preach since probably 1997. (laughs) You know, it's been a long time. And I was so moved. And this is really coming from a book that you're working on now. Tell us about prayer and intercession and what's stirring in your heart. You know, the um, the title that I gave the message Saturday night was The Disturbance of Prayer. Mm. And the reason I called it that is because I believe that oftentimes we don't really embrace or believe how powerful prayer really is. And, you know, Eric, as I've been writing this book and researching and studying the lives of men and women of God that gave themselves to intercession— you know, we know the big name preachers, and thank God for right. Charles Finney and D.L. Moody and, and um, you know, Jonathan Edwards, all these great men and women of God throughout history, these revivalists, um, Billy Sunday, you know, Steve yeah. Hill, you know, people that, that we even knew. But oftentimes we don't know the names of the people that paid the price for their ministries to get where yeah. they're at. Like the Ron Harbonke Everybody knows who Ron Herbonke is, but a lot of people don't know Suzette Hattin or Margaret Viss. Right. These are two intercessors that were literally sometimes four, five, six weeks before wow. Reinhardt would even show up to preach, and they would invest themselves into prayer. They really believe that the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the right. tearing down or the pulling down of strongholds. And as a result, when Ron Herbonke would show up, I mean, sometimes hundreds of thousands of people would be radically saved. So when we study the lives of these great revivalists, it's important that we know the intercessors, the prayer warriors that were instrumental in the success of their ministry. Like whenever Charles Finney, who was a man that was used in the 1800s, in what we know in America as the Second Great Awakening, but many people don't know Daniel Nash. They called him Father Nash, who was a Presbyterian minister, right. or Abel Clary. And these were men that invested their lives into praying for Finney's ministry. History says while Finney would be preaching oftentimes on a wooden platform, these men would be underneath the platform or in a room somewhere close by just interceding. But they were praying in what I call the um, the Romans 8 realm of prayer, which yeah. I don't believe a lot of people have ever experienced, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, what I mean by that is Paul says that, that there is a place in prayer where literally words cannot even be uttered. And sometimes there's groaning, there's travailing. Right. But it's, he, he, he goes on to say that literally 
the Holy Spirit, who knows the heart of the Father, prays through those vessels. Now, that's a that's a deep, intimate place with the Lord. Sure. Um, I've been there at different times. I'm not going to tell you that every time I pray, I'm in the Romans 8 realm. Sure, right. However, I have been there, and um, I, I know what it's like to... Um, as Ian Bounds says, to have this inwrought force. It's not human energy. It's not just human dedication or it's not just determination in the human spirit. But there's an inwrought force, that Romans 8 force, where the Holy Spirit, through a yielded vessel unto the Lord, can use, can literally, and I'll use this word. I know a lot of times we think about this with demons, but the Holy Spirit can possess yeah. a human spirit sure. or a human life and literally pray the will of the Father wow. through that individual. And, you know, I've experienced that a few times in my own life. I've been in prayer meetings um, a few times. I remember one time in India, we were there to do ministry. And, you know, the leader there, you would know the leader, of course, but the leader there in this part of India felt like that we needed to shut the ministry down and take three days and pray because there was such a resistance wow. in the heavenlies. So literally, we shut everything down, and we went into this little room. It was myself and, uh, I don't know, seven or eight other people and this leader. And for three days, we pretty much fasted and prayed. Wow. And then we experienced, and we all knew it. There was a breakthrough in yeah. prayer. But we were travailing. I mean, we were, I mean, literally, we put forth the effort to do it because we felt it was God's will. But something happens, especially when your life is right with God. There's yeah. a place where the Lord literally takes over your being and uses you to fulfill the eternal purposes of God. And after we broke out of that prayer meeting, we had amazing ministry fruit wow. during the rest of the time that I was there. So, you know, this this is fresh on my heart. Um, I believe this is so needed in the church, in ministry, yeah. in America, in the Philippines, all the places. You and I will be in Italy in July. I mean, Italy needs a revival as much as any yeah. place. and But I think the only way it really happens is for someone to be willing to become used, and there's a price to be paid. Sure. I mean, there really yeah. is. And I, a, lot, a lot of times people think, well, that's legalistic. Well, you can think what you want to think. I mean, however, to have that level of, of God in your life, you have to be invested in Him. Yes. And when you do that, then He can literally take over your being and fulfill his purposes. I'll say this and I'll let you talk. But but anyway, John Wesley said so this. Good. He said, there are things that do not happen except the people of God pray. It's awesome. And there's just something about, you know, I've taught on prayer and intercession for 25 years, yeah. maybe more. And it, it's God's sovereign. He's transcendent. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need anything. He's God. Yeah. He's, however, he connects or he tethers himself to our prayers. Mm -hmm. And it's the law of heaven. God has de designed that there are things that happen. That's what James says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man yeah. avails, avails much. much. Yeah. And so it, it, it's so important, Eric. Like I said, you and I, we're all about revival. But I'm telling you, you can preach revival to the yeah. cows come home. You can talk about what God did in Brownsville, and my life was touched powerfully right. there. But if we're not willing to invest like those people did for over two years, and John right. Kilpatrick even more than that, sure. you remember hearing him? He said he would come out there by himself sometimes and just cry on, out and just cry out for hours, like one, two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And so, so there has to be an investment in prayer and intercession. There's no doubt about it. And you know, the thing that just really captivates my heart in talking about prayer and doing it is that when we pray, we get out of our flesh. Yes. 
and we get in the spirit. And nowadays, we see so much flesh in the church. Right. And I, I'm not a, you know, if you want to have lights and stuff like that, whatever. But when that becomes the focus, mm. when we're looking for the lights, the fog machines, and everybody's got to dress in a really amazing way, we're, we're taking all the focus off of Jesus yes. and we're putting it on us. And I think this is the effect of lack of prayer in the church. Because if we're actually a praying people, we won't have to use gimmicks to draw people anything. You know, there's no need to uh, tell people there's a fire when you're starting one in prayer. Because people will come and say, what's going on over there? I want what's going on there. You know, uh, the Lord says if we lift him up, he'll draw men unto himself. What is lift him up? It's not just worship. Right. It's investing. It's vicarious intercession. It's this brokenness. It's this groaning, like Mm. you're saying, Romans 8. I know that Lila Terhune, who was the head intercessor during the Brownsville revival, she always talked about throne room prayer, Mm -hmm. about getting into the Holy of Holies. Now, we understand that because of the blood of Jesus, that he's already prepared the way. Hebrews tells us that he is the forerunner that prepared the way in the most holy place for us. And so positionally, we are seated with Christ right now in heavenly places. But why aren't we always just living out from that? Because this is the route to get us there, the yeah. vehicle to get us there, Amen. is prayer and intercession. So good. And as we're getting into a place of prayer and intercession, our mind is renewed by God's Word, His presence. And then we realize that it's really not all up to us. <laughs> right. It's up to Him. It's about Him. And I, I think that's how we stay free from idolatry. I think that's how we see revival. And people say, what's the answer? You know, what do we got to do to see revival? Well, how much time are we praying? How much are we investing? How much are we talking about prayer? You know, are we doing it? But it really moved me the other day what you were saying. And, you know, there's a scripture in Isaiah 58 that says, The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Guard, I love that. I I love it because we're always focused ahead and looking around. But it says his glory will suddenly come mm. upon us, like Amen. it did in the believers in the upper room. I want suddenly. Come on. What kind of suddenlies have you experienced in your life? Moments where you just saw the power of God come, but you know it was in response yeah. to your seeking or the congregation, the students. Yeah, you know, I mean, I can think back to even because I, I was actually a student yeah. at the Browns Revival School. I mean, I was in the pioneer class. Before I, before I came on staff and became a leader there, yeah, um, I remember Eric. There were times, and we were. I mean, not only were we going to the revival four or five nights a week, um, right? We were praying. I yeah. mean, there was such a spirit of prayer mm. on the student body, even. But there were times whenever, even in a class, like if you would teach on prayer, I, I remember a class one time where Bob Gladstone was teaching. And literally, the glory of God came in the in the blue. You know where that was. Yeah. All of us felt as if a, a hand was in our back and pushed us on the floor. I mean, wow. it was a sudden. In other words, the teacher Bob wasn't trying to create that. It's just right. the Lord just moved in, 
and pushed us on the ground, and we were there for over three and a half, four hours. Wow. I mean, and just the weight of God's presence and God's glory was so transformative, and it, I mean, it just radically changed our lives. Um, another thing, I, I, I got a call, a phone call from a assistant principal at the high school that I went to, and this was after the revival had started. And he called me, and he knew I was in the ministry. He was the, the assistant principal. He said, Keith, so there's a young man here at the school. He said he's into the occult. This prince, our VP's vice principal's mother actually went to Brownsville, even though he lived, he lived under Tallahassee. So he knew, he knew that it was a God thing. He said, this, this kid's into the occult. said he is threatened suicide. He's threatened the school. So we're having to dismiss him from school. He said, could you pick him up and take him to the Browns Revival? <laughs> and so, you know, he knew the way I lived. So, yeah. any long story short, um, he told the kid that one of the only ways he could get back into school was if he went to the Revival. We went and picked him up, and he got on a van with us from a church we were a part of near Tallahassee. And we took him over there. On the way over there, he was literally cutting himself and sucking blood, just trying to freak wow. us out. He was... I mean, all dressed in black, had like black fingernail polish. I mean, just completely a gothic looking kid. Wow. He had like these crazy contacts, like a Marilyn Manson looking thing. Yeah, yeah. But just, I mean, just very tormented. Wow. Anyway, we got to the, got to the meeting. He was mad that he was there. He wouldn't talk to us. Anyway, we got him into the building finally. And literally, I'm not exaggerating, it's the first time that Lindell hit the keyboard to start the worship service. He stood up. We were about four rows back. And he was just like transfixed on Lindell. Wow. About five minutes in, he began to walk to the front. Steve Hill, you know where Steve would sit? Oh, yeah. Steve Hill, Mike Brown, and Pastor Kilpatrick. Steve Hill saw him, and Steve stood up and walked over towards him because he saw that God was doing something. That kid got so saved. Wow. I mean, just Come the on. sovereign. Nobody preached. Yeah. Nothing. But my point is this. That type of stuff doesn't happen except somebody's invested in prayer. Exactly. I mean, this kid was demonized. He got delivered that night. He became a youth pastor down in Central Florida, (laughs) still in ministry. Wow. So, I mean, these types of things, um, again, we can read about it, but you and I have seen them. (laughs) Right. And, and, you know, we talk about, we read about Saul of Tarsus, conversion on the road to Damascus, and how spectacular that was. Right. Right. I just got to believe that was in response to a praying church. I, I totally believe it. And, and you know, God said, Second Chronicles 7.14, we quote it all the time. If my people, if my people yes. which are called by my name, yeah. would humble themselves and, and pray, pray and seek my face and turn, turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, forgive their, their sin, and heal and their heal land. Their land. Yeah. What does it mean to heal the land? It means that there's people we're praying for. Yes. There's there's communities that need a desperate touch yes. of God. You know, uh, maybe you're listening to us today and you've experienced suicide mm. in your family or in the community. And what that does to just change everything and bring so much darkness yes. and mm. hopelessness. You know, maybe uh, I know during COVID we had young people who committed suicide because they were locked in their homes and just lonely and broken oh. and suffering. But friend, we want you to know today, 
that it is possible yes. that there's people praying for you today, that you're hearing us and our voices right now. And that's the Spirit of God Amen. coming upon you saying, listen, listen to these men of God. Listen to these men who devote themselves to prayer because, Lord, you're wanting to bring freedom and hope again. And where there's darkness, you bring light. Yes. Praise the Lord. Lord, we want more of that. Yes. Friend, I want to encourage you to cry out to God. Cry, wherever you're at right now as you're listening to this today i know god is stirring your heart Amen. maybe you're a pastor and you're saying what do i need to do to win my community and make disciples mm. friend we're telling you the secret to prayer is praying in secret <laughs> that's it that's what i heard daniel norris said that yes, one time he probably got it from someone else but it's so vital Amen. prayer is not just something we do it is the greater work amen it's it's what god's called us to be you know we just have a few minutes left here keith how can you exhort someone today that is saying you know i i, I have an intimate time with the lord mm -hmm. but how can i go deeper in my prayer life yeah. what do i need to do to see a breakthrough yeah and for agreement with God and His kingdom? Yeah, I think, great question. I, I think a lot of times, Eric, um, prayer becomes a formality to people. Yes. And they might even live a pure life. Um, they might attend a church. They might have went to Bible college. They might even be preaching the gospel. But that prayer life has really become just rote or routine. Yeah. I believe the Bible says, the Lord says, if you seek me, yes. you will find me. Yeah. There's a difference between seeking God and just having a prayer time. Yeah. I'm convinced, because I know this personally, God wants us to cry out to Him. Yes, He does. And sometimes um, it can be a desperate cry. Mm. Um, you know, David Wilkerson preached a message, you know, you know, what happened to Travail? Or, you know, yeah. and I would encourage you to look that up. Yeah. There's a place, listen. You said something earlier that, you know, it's not about smoke machines and, and, and lights and all this stuff. There was a time, and I remember this in the, in the 80s when I got saved, most of the churches I went to, they had prayer teams. Yeah. Now we have production teams. Uh, wow. And we'll focus hours and thousands of dollars on production teams and little to no time on people seeking God. Wow. You want to go deeper in prayer? Ask God to take you deeper and wow. get desperate. You say, I don't feel it. You don't have to feel anything. You said something. There's something about paying the price to step into that place of prayer. It suppresses your flesh. Yeah. I found out that any time I am serious about prayer and serious about seeking God, God responds. Yes. And maybe you're listening and there's secret sin in your life. Uh, maybe there's compromise in your life. You got to deal with those things. Yeah. You got number one, sometimes the. The door that opens to, to deepening in prayer is repentance. Yes. And through repentance, then we go deeper in prayer. So mm -hmm. so these things are all connected, but but I'm convinced if maybe you're living right, but maybe your prayer life is dull or dormant, mm -hmm. seek the face of God. Yes. Cry out to Him. 
Yeah. Maybe you're not used to that. You don't have to be used to it. Seek him. You'll find him. He's faithful to those that cry out to him. He says that, too. He says in Proverbs, I love those who love me. Yes. And those right. who seek, seek me, me, find, find me. me. Exactly. Yeah, he wants to be found. You probably, you know, as a parent, maybe you've played hide and go seek with your <laughs> child. And, and, you know, the kids love to hide and they right. think you'll never find them. And you kind of hear them chuckling or right. laughing in a corner somewhere. And then they want to come find you. Right. And, you know, you could probably figure out a better place to hide. But what a parent likes is to be found by their child. Amen. That's good. And, I, you know, because then you go, ah, you know, I'm here, you know. <laughs> and they laugh and they joke and you hug each other. I think that's how God is with us. Amen. I think he really loves to be found. Yes. We, we make it so hard. If, if we're trying to seek him just through theology mm-hmm. or just trying to understand our circumstances, you know, we might get somewhere. But the fact is we got to come to God humbly. Amen. We got to come with a a heart that says, Lord, here am I. I want to understand what you're saying. You know, we just got another minute here, Keith, but could you just exhort our folks with what they can do in prayer? Let me encourage you today. If you're listening, um, if you don't have a time of prayer, set a time aside to pray. If you're seeking the Lord or if you're praying and maybe you feel like you're just in a rut or you're not going where you want to go, let me encourage you to cry out to him. If you have to go somewhere by yourself, listen, there have been times, mm. especially in the early years of my ministry, where I would literally go away sometimes for a whole day or two days. Wow. And I would cry out to God, and God always showed up in my desperation. Maybe you don't even know what it means to be desperate in prayer. Ask God, Lord, make me desperate. Listen, pray, God, give me your burden. When you have the heart of God, when you feel what God feels, and you begin to see what God sees, my friend, you cannot help but go deeper in prayer. Amen. 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 Listen, folks, thank you for joining us today. This is part one of two. So we're going to come back here. And if you're listening by podcast, you'll see both uh, messages uh, one after another on the radio. This is going to be on Thursday night and then also this coming Saturday night as well. Remember, you can always check out our YouTube channel, Revival Cry. That's the name of the podcast. And on Mango Radio every Thursday night, 6.30 p.m. and Saturday morning at 6.30 a.m. God bless you. We look forward to being with you again this next week. Thank you for listening to Revival Cry with Eric Miller. Please subscribe, rate, and write a review for this podcast on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To find out more or partner with our missions work around the world, please visit us at revivalcry.org. I look forward to being with you next week.